This is Stephanie Nelson, host of the Pivotal People podcast. We have great conversations with all kinds of interesting people who are making a difference in the world. Follow us and leave a review if you like this episode so that more people can find us. Thanks for listening. I would like to welcome Erin Cusio to the Pivotal People podcast, and I'm really excited to talk to her today because I just finished reading her new book, which is beautiful. It's wonderful. We're going to talk about it today. I met Erin almost two years ago at a writer's workshop, and we were both aspiring writers. She now has a book, but not only that, she is a speaker. She speaks to uh, many groups, and she's also a podcast host. And I would just encourage people to find her podcast if you haven't already. It's called Room for Lovely, wonderful guest. And Erin is truly a professional. I know that you have some background in this because she does sound like NPR. (laughs) Anyway, that's what Bob Goff says, and I have to agree. Erin's also a mother of three boys, so she's busy with boys. She is a wife. She is a co-business owner. She and her husband own a restaurant. She's also an English teacher, which (laughs) explains why her book is so good. I decided that's the reason. But on top of all of that, she's just a super nice person. So I'm I'm going to stop babbling about her because I really want you to hear from her. Erin, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Stephanie. That was such a kind introduction and also reminds me why I'm so tired. (laughs) (laughs) You should be tired. Let's get right off the ground and talk about how your journey started. You know, I saw you a couple of years ago. We all got inspired by Bob Goff and then you went home. Tell me, how did this all start for you? Yeah, I have written for years. I loved writing ever since I was a little girl. And I always said, okay, maybe one day I would like to write a book. And when the opportunity came up to go to the Oaks and to do that writer's workshop, it just felt like a really great opportunity that I was going to be able to kind of gain some clarity about where I wanted to go with my writing. And I did But I was still really afraid when I came home and I wasn't quite sure what my next steps were going to be or how that was going to kind of morph into the next thing. And so the next easiest thing was to start a podcast. And so I started there and just kind of got that under my belt. And I sort of held my feet to the fire and said, in the spring, I'm going to get this podcast off the ground. In the fall, I really want to write this book. And so there had been a story sort of brewing in me for quite some time. And I was able finally towards the end of last year to piece it all together in a way that I think only God could do. These are his words and really pull the thread of the way that he has woven my life together through all of the circumstances that I've been through. And it's a beautiful book because you are just really honest about your experiences, not just recent experiences, but childhood experiences. One of the things I thought, Erin, as I was reading your book is so many people say, I want to be a writer. And you said, you've always wanted to be a writer, but really a good writer has a lot of good life experience to impart wisdom. Right. And life experience can be positive and we're going to talk about it. it can also be painful and hard. Right. And I think as a writer, it's really generous of you to open up to the hard places, because even though we all experience different hard things, that is helpful for everyone who reads it. I took all these notes while I'm reading your book. You are younger than me, but you are wiser than me. Oh, Um, goodness. (laughs) And I appreciate that. You talked about your family experiences. And what I thought was fascinating was that you grew up in a town of 1,500, 1,600 people. What what was the number? 
there was about 1500 people in the town that I grew up in. So it was really, really small. And I mean, it sounds like this idyllic childhood. You're with the cousins and the grandparents and your family's all around. And your husband was also from a relatively small town and you raised your kids there. And then you picked up and moved. What a growth experience that must've been. Absolutely. You know, being from a small town like that, people just don't move away. It's very unheard of. The ones that do, I think they're kind of, they move away and then they're never heard of again. (laughs) But for us, we even said we are never going to move away. And God just kind of had other plans and began to stir something inside of us that sort of called us to a different path than we had originally expected. And now looking back, I'm so grateful that he gave us the bravery to walk that path because I can see so much of his goodness in the move to another state and in just completely kind of upheaving our lives for something totally different than we expected. And then even COVID hit. So you move, you've got the three kids. Now, all of a sudden, wow, you made it through that though. Yes, we did. And that was kind of a really special time for us, you know. For the bulk of the time that we lived in Louisiana, especially when the boys were young, my husband worked away a lot. And so there was a lot of time where I certainly wasn't a single mother in the sense that he was very much involved in our lives, but in the day in and day out, it was kind of me and the boys a whole lot. And so when we moved here to Texas and we had that experience of COVID hitting and the world shutting down and all of us kind of being quarantined and confined into this space, it was really a precious moment for our family because it was the first time in our lives where we were all home and all together as a family. You know, my husband's job, he was still able to go to work, but he was home every single night with us. And we were able to just really enjoy that experience and build a super foundation, super special foundation for our family, which I think was really important for us. Well, that's neat. And One of the stories I loved was the story behind the title of your book. Can you share Mm -hmm. your grandmother's story? I love that. Yes. When I was a little girl, my great-grandparents were still alive, and they were very much a part of our lives. We would kind of do weekly visits where we would travel the countryside and go and visit at all of my great-grandparents' homes. And at the end of all of their beds, they had these crocheted afghans. And so the older generations had woven these blankets and put them at the foot of the bed. And as we got a little bit older, my grandmother decided that she was going to make a blanket for each of the six grandchildren. And she would start by taking the yarn. We each got to pick out the yarn that we wanted with the colors that we wanted, which was really special. But she would start by taking it and completely unraveling the whole entire thing stretched out across the house. And then she would wind it back up together and she would put it on this new ball where she could work and weave it into something really beautiful. And I remember asking her one day why she did that. And she said, oh, I've got to work out all the knots before I can weave it into something else. And that kind of just stuck with me. And as I got older, I realized that's it. That's what life does. Sometimes we become unraveled. But oftentimes it's through those experiences that allow us to untangle knots inside of us and then weave it all back together into something beautiful. And we can all relate to that. I mean, you talk about in your book and it's unraveled. You talk about the whole idea of pain and joy being able to coexist, which is, I loved your room for lovely being your mantra before you ever even had a podcast. Right. You know, and that comes across in all of your communication and your writing and your speaking. 
Tell the world what Room for Lovely means. Well, it kind of started as a joke, honestly. We have three boys, and I am just a very, very girly girl. And so I'm just a whole lot of femininity bouncing around in this house full of stinky wild boys. And so anytime I would want to make a beautiful tablescape, or I would bring flowers in from outside, or do anything that was just a little bit more representative of loveliness, I would say, oh, mom's making room for lovely. And then it just kind of stuck as a mantra in our home that I was making room for lovely. And I realized eventually that that room for lovely is really the way that we've got to live our lives because so much of life can be wild and tumultuous and sometimes stinky and hard. But if we look for the loveliness, there is room for loveliness in every single season if we are open to look for it. You know, I love that because I had actually spoke with a woman in a previous podcast about biblical mindfulness and calm and well-being. And there was actually a Harvard study that found if you looked at a bouquet of flowers first thing in the morning, it actually increases whatever those positive endorphins are. It actually creates a feeling of well-being. So I said, permission, I've started (laughs) buying flowers for myself every week. And then I'll buy, you know, Trader Joe's, you can buy beautiful flowers for next to nothing. And then I'll buy a bouquet for a neighbor. Mm. So I'm like, okay, so room for lovely, there's actually a scientific basis. Aaron, I love that. You I love it. For lovely. <laughs> um, so now let's talk about the full title of your book is Unraveled, Finding the Lovely When Life Comes Undone. Tell me what prompted you to write the book? What were well, the... We talked a little bit about the transition from one state to another, and that was a huge turning point in my life, a huge pivotal moment in my life. But before that, about a month before that we started the transition, I lost our fourth son in early labor. Mm -hmm. And I was very, very surprised by that. We had been to the doctor just a week or so before. Everything was good. And I just ended up going into labor early and we lost him in delivery. And it was through that that I felt that was a catalyst that began to catapult me into untangling some of those knots that I talked about earlier. The book is not so much a book about grief as it is losing Jacob, our son, sort of broke me wide open. It shattered what I thought my life was going to look like in a way that allowed those broken things to rise to the top. And then I was able to begin to untangle those knots just a little bit. And God was so kind to me in the season of time after that, that little by little, layer by layer, knot by knot, he began to work through things that maybe I thought had been dealt with from years before that sort of, I realized had maybe been stuffed down a little bit because I am a person that likes to just keep a layer of, oh, everything is wonderful, which I think a lot of people can maybe relate to. And God just really used that circumstance to peel away all of those layers and sort of make me become content with who I was and who he created me to be in a way that allowed me to see a loveliness in my life that I'm not sure I would have been able to see otherwise. And so it's the first time in my life that I have been able to feel that I can walk with abundant authenticity because not of who I am, but because of who God is in me and who he's called me to be and the purpose that he has for my life. Oh, wow. I hope (laughs) everyone wrote that down. Abundant authenticity. So you shared a story once what one of your little sons said to you when you started your podcast. And it was something about, or maybe it was speaking, something about people knowing who you were. 
Uh-huh. And you so quickly said, and Aaron, I just stole this from you. I love it. You're like, I'm not concerned about people knowing who I am. I care about people knowing who Jesus is. Mm. I love that. That is so beautiful. That's a coffee cup. <laughs> so one of the chapters I really appreciated was the whole thing that we all as women and mothers and workers, we have a tendency to try to be everything to everybody. Mm. And you went to a workshop again at the Oaks where you didn't exercise, where you needed to prioritize things in your life. And as you were describing to the group, you were being asked all of the things that you do and all the things you're responsible for. And as you said that out loud, I think if any of us did this, we Mm -hmm. would understand you realize how much is on your plate. Right. And you really need to be selective. Because you can't, it's that whole thing about the um, oxygen mask with the flight attendant. You need to put your own oxygen mask on before you can put it on your children. You have to take care of yourself to be healthy. And if you're running yourself ragged, we're not good for anyone. But you have this beautiful quote. It is this, we must press ourselves to allow even good things to slip through our fingers so that we may hold a firmer grip on the things that matter most. Mm. So talk to me about how you manage that outlook in the reality of your life. You know, Stephanie, I think it's really interesting because I'm coming to you today in a season of life where I have not managed that really well. It has been a really hard, busy season where I've been completely overworked and overwhelmed. But I think the advice that I would give is that it's okay to have those seasons. In fact, we probably are going to have those seasons of our life where we just have to run hard, right? I'm just at the tail end of writing this book and getting this book out into the world. Well, of course, this has not just been the most restful and relaxing season of my life, but we cannot perpetually live like that. We cannot live in a continuing state of running hard all the time, hustling hard all of the time. And so for me, I can see on the horizon, the book is almost out. I'm almost to the end of a couple of different obligations that I've got on my plate and I can see rest on the horizon. And that's really what is holding me tight to finish running the race that I've got in front of me. But not that long ago, I realized how many hours are in a week, which seems like a pretty simple concept, right? But I realized that we only have 168 hours in the week. And when I looked at it from that perspective, when I fully grasped that number, I thought, surely this cannot be right. Surely there's got to be more (laughs) somewhere, but there's not, there's only 168. And so I think it's so important for us to remember that every single time we say yes to one thing, we are pushing something else off to the side. So if you're saying yes to any kind of obligation, any type of commitment, even the good things. You have to be aware of the idea that you are pushing other things off to the side to make room for that yes. And if the things that you are pushing matter more than the thing you are taking onto your plate, then you really need to evaluate if that yes is worth it. And that does mean sometimes that we have to let go of the good things. There have been many things, even recently, that God has pushed me to let go of that are good things, but we cannot do it all. And we will live exhausted and depleted if we constantly try to continue to do it all. I love that. That's exactly right. Because so many times the reason we say yes to things isn't necessarily, at least for myself, I was talking to a girlfriend about this yesterday. It's not necessarily that it's such a good thing. It's that we have a hard time saying no to that person. Mm -hmm. We don't want to disappoint that person 
we don't want that person to think less of us. And, you know, the whole thing about boundaries, I love it. No is a complete sentence. Right. It took me years to figure you can say (laughs) it nicely, but just because someone asked you, or even if they flatter you, you're so good at this, doesn't mean that you need to say yes, which would cause you to miss your son's birthday. Right. You know, really really evaluating, okay, is it okay for that person to be a little irritated with me? Yes, it is. Yeah. And I think even beyond that, realizing that saying yes to things begins to trickle down. And even if it's not as obvious of a consequence as maybe missing our child's birthday, I don't know about you, but when I put too much on my plate, I'm not the best version of myself. I can Uh get very (laughs) irritable and stressed out. And the people who are dealing with those types of consequences are the people who love me and who I love the most. And so I think it's important for us to realize that as well, that when we say yes to sometimes those abundance of things, it's not just affecting us, but it's affecting those people around us as well. That's right. Oh, yes. I've had certain family members mention that to me. I would agree (laughs) with that. So I hate to, on the heels of what we just talked about, and this is not pressure. I love watching your journey. I've watched it over a couple of years. What is next in terms of your, I'm not saying put more on your plate, but what are you looking forward to coming up next? What's the date that your book comes out? My book releases on May 2nd. So I'm really excited to get that out into the world. It kind of feels like the end of a pregnancy when you're like, get this baby out of me. And so I'm just so thrilled to finally see it come to fruition in the world and be in people's hands. And hopefully those words will just find their way to the people that need them most. That's the biggest thing. Over the course of the summer, I am just thrilled that I've purposely tried to keep somewhat of an open calendar. And so I'm really looking forward to a small season of rest, but also very intentionally because I can see in the fall some things on the horizon that I'm really excited about. I'm excited about some opportunities coming up. And I want to walk into those not exhausted and depleted, but instead refreshed and ready to do what God has for me. So really looking forward to that as well. Well, good. And you have the boys home this summer. Absolutely. Yes. Which is a full time and a half job by itself. (laughs) Full time. And how old are the boys now? One just turned eight, our youngest, which I cannot believe our youngest is eight already. And then the older two boys have birthdays the first week of June and one will be 13 and one will be 11. So they'll be 13, 11 and eight. Okay. So I, that's a full-time job right there, but okay. (laughs) You know, Aaron, we want people to find you. As I said, following Aaron on Instagram, it's just so uplifting. You really need to just find her. It's at Aaron Cusio. I've told you about her podcast and I will tell you that I've listened to her podcast and I'll be like, oh man, that person is so interesting and great. And I've contacted them and then they've come on my podcast. I'm like, (laughs) you know, just kind people, people with insight, just like you. And then your book, tell us how to find your book. Yeah. So right now the book is available for pre-order on my website, which is just book.erincusio.com. And then on launch date, which is May 2nd, it'll be available on Amazon. And so then everywhere books are sold. And it is going to be a huge bestseller. I know that. Thank Um, you. And you know, it's the kind of book I have to tell you, I read it, but it's the kind of book you will give to friends as a gift because it's what we all need and it's comforting. Okay. It's not stressful. It's comforting, but it's also, as she said, it's authentic. You know, it's not just glossing things over. It's okay. We all have, especially as we get older, we all have difficulties, but pain 
can coexist with joy. There is room for lovely. I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I wish you the best of luck. And I look forward to talking to you after launch date to see how everything's going. Thank you, Stephanie. I so appreciate it. Thanks for listening today. We hope you're inspired. And if you like the episode, please take a moment to go to your podcast platform and follow us and leave a review so more people can find us. Now go out and be the pivotal person that you are.